Hello and welcome to New People, New Ways, a podcast in partnership with Fresh Expressions Florida and Fresh Expressions United Methodist that explores new ways of being church through the stories and the insights of scholars and practitioners alike. I'm Piper Ramsey Sumner, layperson and cultivator of Fresh Expressions for the Florida Conference. And I'm Michael Adam Beck. I'm the director of Fresh Expressions Florida and Fresh Expressions UM. And today we are joined by Amy Martin. Amy is in awe of Jesus and hopes to encourage his body, the church, to more faithfully reflect him in the world. She's an ordained elder in the Missouri Conference of the United Methodist Church and planting pastor of 8020 United Methodist Church in O'Fallon, Missouri. Welcome, Amy. Amy. Hi. Hello. How's it going in Missouri? It's cold today. Very, very, very cold. (laughs) See, I was excited here in Tallahassee that the high is 60. I was like, ooh, it's cold finally. Oh, wow. That's how it goes here. Yeah. That's like a cold day for us. We're in the 30s, high in the 30s today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There might be like one or two days that we get that in Tallahassee, but mostly it'll be maybe 40s. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows, Michael, What? How? what's the coldest that it gets there? Yeah, today's like the coldest day we've had all year. It was like 70 yesterday and then 40 today, so it's weird. But mm. That's why I keep trying to steal Amy to come down to the Florida conference, but don't tell them yeah. you UMC folk about that. I like beaches. <laughs> Yeah, there's lots of those here. Lots and lots of those. <laughs> All right, Amy. Well, our first question I will ask you, who is Amy Martin? Well, it's, yeah, you, you kind of got the least important question first. Amy was just a girl. <laughs> um, just a girl that decided to um, have faith in God and trust. Um so there's just really not a whole lot. I, I'm a mom. I have three kids. Um, and uh, am trying my best to follow this interesting and mystical calling that we talk so much about in United Methodism um, mm-hmm. and, um, and lead people to know Christ. Nice. So Amy, tell us, uh, tell us the story of 8020. What is the community's vision? How did it come about? What does it look like? Yeah. Um, well, not a whole lot of people believe me when I, when I tell them that in, in seminary, one of my most impactful classes was the budget practicum. And it's there that I, um, we, we dissected a budget of a large church And then I did some research on my own because I was a little bit, um, not a little bit, really disturbed by uh, the ratios and um, the categories of how much is spent where. And um, come to find out that research has been done. It doesn't matter the size or the denomination of the churches in the United States, but um, about five to 10 percent is actually spent um, on giving outside the walls of the church and um, restoring the community and alleviating poverty and kind of doing the stuff that, that, that God and that Jesus called us to do. And so that's when um, I think the, the kernel, the seed of the vision of 8020 church was born and it really was born over a lament of, wow, um, the church in the United States in general, um, spending a lot of money on a lot of things and they're still dying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so what would it look like to, um, to, to kind of spend money like they did in the early church and in acts and, uh, and kind of follow that model in this, in this context. And so the vision of 8020 church is, um, within 10 years that 8020 Church will demonstrate its commitment to um, the way of Christ and the early church by um, 
sharing and giving 80% of its ties and offerings to restoring the community and only 20% on overhead. Wow. So I'm so excited that you found that disturbing. It, it's really disturbing to me too. And I think about like what Jesus did. Okay. So, you know, he stands up in the synagogue in Nazareth and says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to proclaim the year of the captives, uh, release of the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and, uh, you know, recover the oppressed and the sick. And then he goes about doing those things. Right. And then a community forms around that activity right. called the church. And then, you know, structures and leadership things come into being, but it's like, basically if our budget is an indicator of our spiritual baseline in like American Christianity, um, or, or like what the condition of the, the, the heart of the church is, it's a pretty bad indicator that it's like, we do everything else then maybe if we get around to the stuff that Jesus said it was his personal mission to come and do. Right. Then maybe we do that. So. Right. Well, and in that too, he said, it's gotta be good news to the poor. It, it, yes. And, and you know, <laughs> we are one of the, you know, um, one of the most developed um, Western countries that has the highest poverty rates and the churches um, in the United States aren't a lot of times really good news to the poor at all. <laughs> mm. um, and mm -hmm. I don't, I wouldn't say that budget is the indicator, but it is an indicator of our hearts. I mean, it's the same in our, you know, we, mm -hmm. we preach this to our people, right? Like how you steward your money is a reflection of your discipleship and of your heart. But then our church um, doesn't always um, really take that into consideration as well. So, yeah. So, so talk a little bit about where 80-20 meets, um, what the, the shared space looks like, like, Give people a window into what the church actually looks like. Yeah. Well, we knew that if we were ever going to get to 80-20 as um, a financial model and a, and a vision that we would need an alternate income. We don't just want to plant um, for a church for affluent people who can tithe a lot. So from the very beginning, we didn't want to rely. The, the, we didn't want the church to um, be sustained or rely upon tithes and income that would be extra and we could use that to serve the community, right? So um, the way that we have chosen to do that is um, we got a space that um, simultaneously while we planted the church, we also planted um, or started um, a co-working business called 8020 Studios um, that share space. So during the work week, we're a co-working community um, and there's coworkers out there now, um, and they have subscriptions like, like you would have to a gym to, you know, come and use the space to work. We have zoom rooms, we have a podcast studio, um, we have a conference room and other meeting rooms. And, um, and then there's also about 13 offices for rent. And so, um, we're slowly, <laughs> and I say, we, the church doesn't run the studios. It's a separate tax entity. It's a separate um, organization and there are employees of the studios that are not employees of the church, um, but we share space and the two organizations were birthed together to have a, um, a symbiotic relationship. That's so cool. I love that idea too of using that space because, you know, there's, we talk about that all the time, how, oh, our churches might, you know, sit there maybe six days a week being almost completely empty, mm -hmm. but there's so much potential. And mm -hmm. um, some churches are lucky enough to be able to use it in all these different ways. But I love the idea that um, the church can do that. And it also creates that, that bit of that financial stability so that you can concentrate more on reaching and taking care of people and doing that that important work that you're really committed to of the poverty alleviation. Yeah. Yeah. That's the goal. Mm -hmm. And I've, I used to listen, you know, when I was in seminary and, and, and stuff, I'd hear pastors complain about 
you know, I never get out in the community. I'm just surrounded by the four walls. My office is in the church and I'm around church staff. And, and I thought, Ooh, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I've been a part of church staff a lot. You're not, this is my first lead pastor thing. Um, But the cool thing is I got friends here in the community that, Mm -hmm. that are coworkers here. And so um, it's really, really fun to, you know, I don't have to, do some like I'm gonna go out to a coffee thing and sit there and hope people talk to me because I'm gonna say I'm a pastor in the community because like we bring mm-hmm. community here too <laughs> during the week. So yeah. that's fun. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I love that. So what does it look like when you actually do gather? I know that you gather 8020 gathers around a shared meal. And so it's like the dinner church idea. So tell me a little bit about that. And why do you think that that model of dinner church tends to work so well and in so many different contexts? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it is. Um, it's an unusual worship experience and um, it's it's very, very um relaxed and casual and it feels like you're going to a dinner party or a catered event or something like that and um you you know when people arrive they're just they're just talking and they're milling around and there's ping pong and air hockey and the recreation part of the co-working space so kids are playing and um we have two dogs <laughs> because um resident dogs they are they are um service animals for um some oh, yeah. of our friends um but um but yeah it's 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 a it's a gathered community uh, and i'm just so excited i've always wanted church to feel less like a show and more of like a community and it it is it is that um and we pray together we eat together we we do sing together i was pretty set on no singing at dinner church because people in the world don't just like sing like a choir, you know, but, but my people are singing in people and they like to sing. And so we sing loud and we, uh, we are pretty unrehearsed and we are, um, (laughs) multi-age. And so um, we do that. We have a Jesus story and, um, and discussion time. And we do share like a, 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 kind of like a liturgical communion part too. It's pretty weird. It, it, it morphed into its own thing. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Oh, and dinner church, why dinner church? Yeah. Everybody's got to eat. It's an equalizer and, and, and we are very socioeconomically diverse. Um, We have unsheltered friends um, that are very important parts of our, um, faith community, and we have, um, you know, college presidents. And so we just, we're very socioeconomically diverse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love how, you know, um, bringing this back to Jesus again, how it looks a lot like his table, right? Where um, he basically started the church around tables, and he was always throwing dinner parties and People were, you know, the religious leadership were all been out of shape because he was not following the proper protocol, not doing the ritual cleansings and all those things. And mm-hmm. but at his table, right, he had this diversity of um, the poorest of the poor and and wealthy supporters who were providing out of their own means, all gathered around that that table. And yeah, so it, when you have your dinner church what you said you do some singing you know is there like a sermon of some kind a jesus story dialogue like how do you do that aspect of it yes there's a jesus story um and that's just kind of like i don't know what you'd call maybe like workshop style preaching like where we ask questions and let let everybody kind of preach a little bit where you know um they come up with with really, really good insights. And so, um, so that's helpful. Um, and then there are table discussions. Um, sometimes it's, it's just, it's, yeah, it's an adventure. So you don't know what to expect (laughs) all the time. We play lots of games too. Lots of group Mm -hmm. games, um, multi-generational, 
stuff and we we don't take ourselves too seriously so um it's you know yeah yeah See, I love that. It makes me think of, I mean, that's like the last couple episodes that we've done, the interviews we've had, a lot of what it kind of all comes down to is those relationships. Um, Tiffany was talking about um, how having sitting down people from different generations and from different ethnicities created an incredible community of healing for her church and in in kind of prepared them as well to start doing stretching themselves to do more of these fresh expressions yeah. um and then the same thing um we talked with brett last week and all what he was kind of talking about um in terms of what he does with bringing um churches that are kind of in decline into um, a new space is through fresh expressions and these kind of things and it's all rooted in who are we to the community? How do we connect to those people around us and to each other? And so they do dinner church and they do messy church and these things that you can't help but connect with a person because you're sitting next to them, eating a meal, being asked to discuss these things, which doesn't happen on a on a typical Sunday morning at church. You sit in the pews and you face one direction and you listen to one voice at a time. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, and Amy, so like you, you're you are kind of a blended ecology, but I think what's different than a lot of our guests that we have on, um, you don't have a traditional worship service. Like you don't have a normal, uh, I say normal, but like the common church service and uh, structure and all of that. Like your dinner church, your whole church is a fresh expression, essentially. Yeah, would that be accurate? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we kind of jumped in the deep end of like, hey, embrace something new because, um, you know, you know, I like to think that, you know, that the apostles might walk into some of our inherited church services and go, wait, this is church. <laughs> They're just not used to um, a, a theater show with a platform like that when they were used to dinner church. And so. Um, for us to walk into a dinner church and go in a community-based kind of church and say, this is church, <laughs> mm-hmm. is a little bit like, let's let's embrace this and let's um, learn to, you know, and again, we, we've done our own thing, you know, included things we didn't otherwise think we would include and that kind of thing. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, when you talked, Piper, about um, like, what who we are to the community and and the goal i mean the 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 80 20 and even the dinner church to to a certain extent are really just um vehicles to help remind us of what we're all about but um going Mm -hmm. out and restoring the community is our is our mission to to restore the community by living and loving like jesus everywhere we go and so um, the exciting stuff is looking back over the you know, last several months that we've been in existence and seeing how God has been doing that. Mm-hmm. Like when you prioritize something and you commit to something, you see how God is actually moving and doing all the stuff. So <laughs> really cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah. could you give give some examples of of how your church is doing that and what that looks like when God is doing that? Oh, okay. Well, um, one of the things... Oh, there's so many. <laughs> and and these are birthed from like my people too, which I love. One of our, a couple of our people wanted to do a, a, a monthly laundry party. Right. And so <laughs> they, they play music on the Bluetooth speaker and they have coffee and donuts. Cause we, we just, you know, we like to have fun and um, everyone that comes in, we give them, you know, this baggie of quarters and this little card in there that, you know, for if you need assistance, if you're having a hard time, it's our church information. And then uh, they have like a raffle drawing (laughs) of like a basket every time. (laughs) Um, So that's how we get their information too, you know, anyway, but um, we have developed, that has turned into a, a valuable, its own little separate community. There are people who show up for laundry parties just because to hang out. And um, I mean, we've done all kinds of, you know, someone 
you know, you, you hang out long enough and people begin asking for prayer about things and telling you the struggles of their lives. And I mean, I, I give people the option. We could do the light prayer light version or full on prayer with like anointing and everything. And, and they said full on. I need it all. And so, you know, we were anointing with oil and praying <laughs> in the middle of the laundry. So um, we've done those once a month all year long. And um and that's been so, so rewarding and so fun. We did camp instead of VBS because we know that affordable childcare is a huge issue, a huge issue in our county. And oh, yeah. um, and a lot of the people that we that we um, are friends with and work with, um, summers are so hard. And you know, sometimes you know you quit, you, you lose your job over the summer, and you get your another job. I mean, it's just it's so hard. So we did a, a full week of of camp and. Um, I think 16 out of the 21 kids who registered for camp were not our church kids, which was really bizarre. Mm-hmm. I thought, where, how come, I guess they were just doing other camps or something, but, um, but that was a beautiful way to serve the community because they got to go for $25 for the week um, to a full day camp. Um, and some of those families come to dinner church and have become um, good friends and um, we, d- we do unstuck ministries, which is basically our social work ministry <laughs> of the church. You know, you just, we train our people to build relationships, to hear the stories, to listen to the, to the most pressing needs, to ha- ask them what, you know, their goals are and what, what they could use to get unstuck. It's, you know, and all that. And so, I mean, there's been 15 families, I think we've served through that with, you know, utilities, turning the water back on, the electricity back on. Um, food, housing, transportation. We um, one of our members wanted to do. I'm sorry, I could go on and on. A gentle lending. I had we had a, a, no. our our treasurer actually had an idea. You know these these payday loan places are are preying on our people, and it's so unjust. And you know sometimes they have jobs they can they can make it by, but then you know like their car goes out, you know, and, and, and it's just like mm-hmm. to send them into a downward spiral. What if we did a gentle lending, 0% interest, they set the terms in their repayment and it pays back into the gentle lending fund. So they know that mm-hmm. when they pay back, it's going to, that same money is recycled then for the next person. Um, and mm-hmm. that's, we've done three gentle lending agreements and every single one of them pays back. And it's just every time they pay every month, you know, I get tears in my eyes because they know they want that money to be there for someone else. Um, yeah. It's been, yeah, two cars and one um, oral surgery for a, a child uh, that their parents weren't able to afford. So, I mean, so that's been really fun. Um, yeah. Their community meals each week um, feed people. <laughs> and it's just there. I could go on. There's there's a lot. but But to see my people, like, really catch the vision that this is why we exist. We don't exist to entertain ourselves. We don't exist to try and feel holy and we don't mm-hmm. exist to try and impress one another. We like really exist to um, to bring about shalom and restore the community and partner with God and God's mission for the world and, and watch mm-hmm. the things that they do is really, it's been rewarding to be their pastor. So hmm. That's so awesome. And I love as well, because I think sometimes we get this idea that we're going to start this thing and it's going to it's going to change everything. You know, we're going to have you know, we're going to fix every problem that we that exists in the world, you know, and then, of course, you get burnt out immediately because that's impossible. But it feels like feels like you and your church that you're saying, okay, what what can we do? And like you said, not take ourselves too seriously. We can do what we can do. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't work, we'll move on and try something new. Um, I, I don't know. I just love that so much because I don't think that everything has to be done in these huge, big chunks, these big bites. It can be slow. It can be something that evolves over time and that mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be um, this big, epic, I guess, kind of world changing. I think if there were yeah. full, if there were communities like 8020 all over everywhere, then that would be that would be that huge change because we would be doing what we can in our communities in those smaller spaces, you know. Oh, yeah, gosh, no. that would be cool. amazing. We are very very locally oriented. We don't do a whole lot of like global mission things. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing mm-hmm. actually. Um, yeah. And things start and stop, Piper. You know, like to not beat ourselves up. Like, um, yeah, you, you you do what's in front of you. Like God 
puts lots in front of you. The more you just start to, John Wesley said, one of the reasons why we don't have compassion for the poor is we never visit them. We don't spend time with them. Right. And so like mm. get people of various socioeconomic groups together, things happen. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's a little messy and sometimes people need, you know, um, subculture training and context training. Right. But love right. binds everything together. Right. Uh, but, but God does, does stuff and things happen. And um, what, you know, when we were visiting one of our, um, one of our people in a recovery center um, one time, you know, they, they were telling so many people about 8020 that her social worker caught on and wanted to talk with me and said, asked if we wanted to come do a service there. So for several months, every Friday, which I loved that we, the recovery service um, that we did in the inpatient unit, um, so powerful every single time. Uh, but then that was a season because they actually stopped. They had some leadership transition and then they stopped being a, a chemical dependency. They closed their chemical dependency unit. Um, so I didn't, I didn't realize that that was why, you know, like we stopped, you know, being invited back and going, but then I found out, Oh, they were just totally shifting gear. But that was one of my most exciting things in ministry. And then it ended. And so then it's like, okay, what's next? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, we made relationships there um, and, you know, there were some really sacred moments we spent and we thank God and give, give God thanks and praise for those. And what are you bringing to us next, God? So mm -hmm. that's great. I love that orientation, Amy, because I think a lot of churches, they do the opposite and they like we get in a committee meeting. We try to, you know, strategize about what our community needs and. And we figure out, you know, what we think that is. And then we go try to offer it. Mm -hmm. What you're doing is like starting with what is God doing in the lives of the people that are right in front of us in this neighborhood, in this, in this community? And how do we join into that? <clears throat> and we'll figure it out as we go along. Yeah. Maybe and we'll have a committee meeting later <laughs> to try to analyze what, we, what we've been doing. But, but you're actually starting with that. Yeah. And you have to make friends. You have to, if you just start, for example, with like a small group of upper middle class people, you're never going to do anything because you have to make friends with a lot of different kinds of people, uh, a lot of people with different abilities and a lot of people um, in different, like you were talking about, I, I love how 8020 is diverse in that way too. We have different abilities. We have different races. Um, it's not, it's not all white. I think we're at about 25% of non-white, which I hope it grows. <laughs> um, but like, you have to make friends to find those, you know, where God is leading you. Friendship and play is one of our core practices. Mm. Yeah, that's great. So I wonder if you like, maybe you can tell me, because it seems like part of your role as a pastor is to kind of see um where people have like that energy and the passion and to kind of like uplift it like your laundry one was a great example you didn't come up with that somebody else came up to it up with that and br brought it to you and then you just kind of helped kind of facilitate and make it happen mm -hmm. um so is that what it's like for you with like leadership in this kind of role you when i'm doing it, it at its best <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I gotta admit, like sometimes people have ideas, even that laundry idea. Don't tell anyone. I guess I'll have to preempt this. <laughs> but when I first heard that, I'm like, oh, come on, can we please be more creative? Like, can we please like be more relational than like being the church that comes in and is like laundry bit, you know? I really poo-pooed it in my mind, in my attitude. Um, but they were really excited about it. And it has become one of my favorite times of ministry of the month, right? Like it's fun. And we have made so many friends and our, we didn't set out to grow the dinner church on Sunday nights through the laundry, but it turns out that many of our, you know, friends and friends of friends came from laundry days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. So, um, so I, sometimes God has to give me a little, you know, ego check too. And like, you're, you, you, you don't have all the good ideas, like let this mm. happen. And um, when I do it well, then yes, then yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a good marker of a, of a church that will succeed in that a pastor that 
is also succeeding is the ability to say to not be the the one who gets to choose like no oh, i don't like that i don't think you know like letting people have that power and empowering people to mm -hmm. to make stuff like that happen you know in your community because yeah i think the pastor's role is to just kind of facilitate and to move things and to be the support you know that can be there and provide what they can with their your your theological education but like you were saying also with what, how you do dinner church a lot of it is where everyone's learning from each other yeah um, and whoever's whoever's presenting is just kind of sparking the conversation but then the real learning is happening in those in those conversations when people respond yeah they they have really good moments and it's it's also a feeling of equality is that the right word? I, can't, I get those two words mixed up. Anyway, yeah, like that anyone can share and God's spirit can can fill their mouth with something really, really helpful for everyone else. And it's it, it brings humility too to some of the um, like know-it-all people, myself included, right? Um, when they see like, wow, that person has spiritual insights that are, that are really, really helpful to even me, you know, like mm -hmm. somebody that maybe was mm -hmm. different than them or thinks different than them. We have a very, very, we love to just live and let live, think and let think, you know, you don't have to have some sort of political or social view to, to be a part of this community. We say, mm -hmm. take um, what helps you become a more faithful follower of Jesus and leave the rest. <laughs> mm, that's good. <laughs> I like that. So I'm curious, um, like what does your conference do with you? So you're a United Methodist. Uh, we have these annual reports that we do, you know, vitality metrics, which I think some of 80-20 would show up in those in positive ways, but most of what you do does not show up on like our institutional reporting mm -hmm. in any way. So like, how do you consider, how do you measure your impact? Like what, is, what does vitality look like for your unique way of being church? We're having those kind of discussions on our, on our leadership team, but to your first question, I don't think the conference really knows what to do with us. Um, but, um, they've been really supportive. So that's the Missouri conference is so supportive for church plants um, and not just financially, but also like trusting, like you're doing something new and we want you to experiment. Um, so we're going to support this and we're going to support you as a pastor. So, um, so that's one thing that they do is they support and encourage really, really well. I feel really supported by the conference. Um, but as far as like, um, you know, they, it's, we're still trying to navigate that. Like, for example, I, my vision for my own role is that I become more and more bivocational or whatever, co-vocational. <laughs> it's not, you know, one or the other. Um, but I'm still working on my conference with that. <laughs> I have a meeting this week <laughs> trying to do some more work on that end. So, um you know, because the markers of success usually are, you know, a church can support a full-time elder and a huge staff, and that makes them vital, you know, in their in their community. But um, ours is completely the opposite. Like we, to, our vitality is the the measure of success is um, our community impact, which is a tricky thing to like quantitatively measure. I don't really care about it quantitatively measuring it, but people like numbers, so I'll try and, you know, we've helped 15 families this year. We've you know, um, whatever, but, um, but I don't, I think that that is, is what it is, is just, if you can tell me how we can measure it so that conference people, um, and people who aren't a part of the community will understand, I would love that. Cause I really don't know how to communicate that. <laughs> we're, we're still working on that too. I feel like <laughs> trying to figure out. Because it is hard. It's hard to, to when there's been a certain way of kind of um, tracking these kind of these things, you know, these metrics, uh, the word, just the word too. I'm like, Ooh, metrics, right. you know, but right. that's something, yeah, kind of is expected to be there. So, yeah, it's a tough one. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, and I don't have to fill out conference forms until we're chartered. So oh, there you have go. I have benchmarks <laughs> meetings and I have all those I have to fill out. They want to know our giving and our mm-hmm. attendance and all that. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I was actually just in a conversation um, about this and the people in the conversation were basically measuring vitality with did does the church have a full-time pastor uh how much money you know those things and um then i asked this troublesome question like what if what if a church having a full-time pastor is not actually an indication of health at all Um, because it's a it's an indication that the people of the church don't own the ministry sometimes Mm -hmm. and that it's the pastor doing everything for them like a personal spiritual butler yeah rather than an equipper and an empower the people so yeah yeah and you know what you're doing with your space also you know is not some people it just it's beyond some folks paradigm to understand mm-hmm. that there that probably what you're doing is probably the church what it needs what most churches need to look like in most communities in the 21st century this idea of hey we'll own our own building and we'll mostly just worship in it or have bible studies Mm -hmm. full-time pastors will facilitate all that you know those days really are passing passing. that that band-aid is really hard to rip off for people though Mm -hmm. i have found you know my moments of discouragement and they're often come in just this very very slow discipleship toward, you know, this, this whole concept of, you know, let's be the church instead of market the church instead of, you know, let's just be who we're called to be like the church, the early church and the church described in Acts chapter two and, and then just trust God with all the rest of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, but the way that, you know, church has been done for so many centuries now is is a really hard band-aid to rip off Um, and we are a little bit of a protest church i was thinking about you know there's that element and we don't want to poo-poo everybody else you know because god's doing amazing things but um but there's that tiny little spirit of like we're protesting and we're returning to a different way of being and doing church. Um, and there's a little bit of like, and we're kind of proud of it. <laughs> Come find out what it's all about, you know? Um, but I have that mm-hmm. protest nature in me, so <laughs> um, I, can't, I can't get over it. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's good though. So we gotta, you have to have those, show them the different ways that that church can be and what, you know, have people start asking, well, what if, you know, and yeah. what, what, how could I change the way that I act, how, how you know, how I exist in the community yeah. being, you know, being, being a verb, how can I be the church? Mm-hmm. I think it's yeah. so, so vital, such a question that needs to be asked and contemplated by all of us, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, there are lots of people who have that special, like, they look at things and they point to it and they say, but why, why are Mm -hmm. we doing it like that? Is Mm -hmm. that helpful or is that harmful? Why, you know, why do we have a theater side stage to church? Um, Why do Mm -hmm. we focus our finances on our staff and our buildings? Why, why? And, you know, I, I asked a question that, that got me really thinking, um, and with what's happening in the United Methodist Church and human sexuality, one of my big why questions for a long time has been, why is the church the de facto, like heavy handed officiant for wedding ceremonies? Why mm-hmm. is that necessary? Mm-hmm. Um, why does the pastor of a church get this like um, authority to to say who gets to get married, who doesn't get to get married. Are they some kind of, you know, expert in this area, love expert or something, you know, mm-hmm. like why? And yeah. so I, um, I began asking a lot of those questions and it led me into a lot of research that I just kind of consumed over the course of a couple of years 
um, from scripture and, uh, you know, studying Christian tradition um, since the early church all the way up until now. And I found that that was actually really surprised to find that um, this idea of the church um, kind of being in this wedding business and being a heavy hand in this, it's not really anything that came from the Bible. There's no precedent, no nothing at all in the Bible that talks about um, clergy people uh, officiating or, or, or solemnizing wedding ceremonies. And it's, it's not in the first half of Christian tradition um, as a general rule either. Um, it, it was very, very different in the ancient world. And so um, I thought, mm. gosh, it doesn't make sense to do what we're doing. It's clearly ripping apart, <laughs> you know, um, whole denominations and people get nasty arguments about it. So like, why do we do that? And so anyway, I, I wrote a book that, that um, Michael was so kind as to write the foreword for, but it's How Holy Is Matrimony? Rethinking the Church's Role in the Wedding Business. And I share all of that really eye-opening research um, that I found um, mm -hmm. about kind of getting out of the wedding business and getting back into all the, the missional things we're called to do. So, mm. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, and that's so like, it does make me think how are, are we ready for that conversation? Cause that is a big one. It's something you just, you're just like, Oh yeah, of course the church does this, you know, mm -hmm. of course you have to be had a ordained minister in almost every state, you know, to perform your wedding, you know, and we just think it's just like totally normal, but and them. that I, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, there's a lot to it. Isn't there? Mm -hmm. And it is very much a business, you know, mm -hmm. people may have, their whole career kind of around that. That's mm -hmm. such an interesting thing mm -hmm. to think through. So what is the book called? It's called How Holy is Matrimony? Rethinking the Church's Role in the Wedding Business. Mm. Yes. It's a good one. Yeah. It is a good one. You can get it at pastoramy.com. Oh, there you go. There you go. I'll put it, I'll put that in the show notes so people can find it. Or on Amazon and all that stuff too. But Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Amy, as you, um, I, I feel like you've described a lot of the opportunities and the advantages of being church in this way for, for our listeners who are our inherited church pastors and laity. And, you know, we have buildings we got to deal with and all these different committee structures and such. Um, for one, what are some of your greatest challenges with with being church in this way? And then what what suggestions would you make to those of us that are still operating in a more of an inherited kind of paradigm? How could our churches look more like what you're doing? Um, biggest challenges so far, and there's always a double side to challenges and blessings, but um, it is very, very heavy volunteer, um, like run. <laughs> so we're constantly asking ourselves, how can we do this easier? How can we do this simpler? How can we do this without burdening, you know, volunteers? Um, and it's working. I mean, it, it, it's, we do muddle through, but that is a challenge. Um, but it's also a blessing because there's so much ownership and there's so much investment, um, with, with folks so much more than a typical passive, you know, sit in the pew and leave church goer. Um, but another challenge is um, the diversity is a challenge. Um, I'm not going to lie and say that it's not um, because you do have a collision of worlds. You have a collision of thought worlds. And, um, and so to learn to live in love, to restore the community by living and loving like Jesus everywhere we go. We talk about how like learning to love one another well is our greatest task here while we're here. You know, like um, you don't have to agree. You don't have to understand. You don't have to like <laughs> what other people think or what they say. Um, but to be curious and to and to learn to love um, and respect one another is, is, um, uh, it's a, it's a big task. It's, it's really simple, but it's not easy. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a simple idea, 
but it's not easy to carry out. So there are challenges in that way. And those can be painful sometimes. And then you have to go back and do kingdom work and show people how the gospel works in real life and in in, Mm -hmm. in conflict. Um, So those are kind of the challenges. Um, Now, I don't know advice. So I know a lot of Fresh Expressions people, like you said, Michael, they start with um, an inherited church that mothers a fresh expression. And so um, we didn't do that unless you consider the conference as our mother. Um, so um, to, to take an inherited church, I, I think you start with changing slowly, trying to cast vision and change to the way people think, right? About why, the why of the church drill down to your why. And if your why really is to let people feel comfortable um, for an hour and feel good about themselves, name that, you know, but if your why is greater than that or different than that, (laughs) Mm -hmm. find that and let, and you know, you just, you have to start changing the way people think. Cause even if you start changing ministries and models, but you haven't really, 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 you know, converted the people in their minds to like, I'm serving Jesus in this way. Um, it's, it's not going to last long. So. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I think a lot about that. That's what I do a lot when I talk to about fresh expressions with people is the why and that's the most important thing. A lot of people are like, oh, I just, I want my church to do this or that, or we yeah. want to have more kids in the church or whatever it is. Right, it's like, right. can we, we need to get back down to the why of it. We need mm-hmm. to figure out what's really your motivation. And are you on, are you, is your why something that you want? Or is it something that reflects what, um, what your values are and what Christianity, the values of Christianity and what Jesus taught? Does it align with right. that? And so that can bring about, understandably, a lot of discomfort, and it can be a very difficult process for people. And so that's, you know, I think about there's a lot of people that try that in churches that aren't ready, in communities yeah. that aren't ready, and that can be a painful process, you know. And so you, people have to be ready for it, at least on some level as right, well, right. to begin that. Mm-hmm. So, Amy, when you think about the future of the church what what do you see you know 10 20 years from now and and what is your hope for the church um i truly believe that the church of the future and i can only speak um in my context so like in the united states um is going to have to pare down and um, make difficult decisions and or close. And so, you know, with I think the funding that that a lot of churches have enjoyed and have been so grown so accustomed to, um, it's already dwindling with the way that you know younger generations tend to to tithe less, <laughs> um, but it's it's also the economic times that we're in and if you want to be a church for all people you're going to need you know to serve um financially hurting folks as well and can't rely on that and i just think that that if the church is going to survive and look anything like the jesus movement um churches are going to have to rethink um their budget priorities and how to do church simpler how to do church with less staff, more volunteer led. Um, and so, you know, we talked about like ripping off a Band-Aid. I, I, I'm trying to do that because I truly believe that the only viable church of the future is is going to be that. And so we, we're like practicing ahead of time and hopefully mm. trying to um, get that that imagination going at, ahead of time so that these these folks can can spread that and and do that more and more. Um, Yeah. That's good. good. I like that. 
practicing for a future that's on its way, <laughs> whether we want it to be or not. Yeah. There's some Advent, some Advent theme in there. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're on an adventure of waiting and preparing go. for the future uh, because it's going to be, I think, really, really um, catastrophic and unsettling for um, it already is. <laughs> I mean, let's, we're not talking about some like asteroid hitting. This has been a slow, <laughs> you know, um, mm -hmm. for the church in the United States. And so mm -hmm. as people like lose their funding and lose their, you know, and, and all that, um, we've got to be um, just focusing on doing what Jesus taught us to do and trusting God with the rest. Mm-hmm. And realizing yeah. our pastors might not have really huge salaries from the church anymore. Mm. And then getting into tough too. for other reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds tough for lots of reasons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, where can our listeners find you online? Your website and then um, 8020. Where can they learn more about that? Um, I'll put it in. It's the number 80 and the word 20, 8020church.org. And um, that's, we are on Facebook. We're on, um, we have a YouTube channel. I like to do video podcasting. And so we do that. We also have a, a just, you know, we don't have a, a online, like, worship community that joins in what pipes in with us while we're there. But, but we do put the sermon as a podcast it's on Spotify, Apple podcasts. Um, Very cool. Yeah. Pastor Amy, more of Jesus. Awesome. Cool. I'll put that in the link. So people are in the description so people can find you and connect with you. Thanks. Um, thanks so much for being here. This was a great conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Yay. This is fun. I'm a, you always get me fired up every time I get to hear you talk about this stuff because it aligns so much with all these things that I'm passionate about and it just makes so much sense to me. So it's awesome what you're up to. Amen. Thank you. And to those listening, thank you for joining us for this episode of New People, New Ways. If you enjoyed our conversation with Amy, please share it with a friend, give it a rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. And to connect with us and learn more about Fresh Expressions, you can check out freshexpressionsfl.org. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. See you next time on New People, New Ways.